sanctuary. Praise God with trumpet sounds. Praise God with tambourines and dance. Praise God with piano and organ. Come, let us worship. Let everything that breathes praise God. The first lesson this morning comes from Psalm 118, verses 14 to 29. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Shouts of rejoicing and salvation echo in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord indeed punished me sorely, but did not hand me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will enter them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Here the righteous may enter. I give thanks to you, for you have answered me, and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Hosanna, O Lord, save us. We pray to you, Lord, prosper our day. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God and has given us light. Form a procession with branches up to the corners of the altar. You are my God and I will thank you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for the Lord is good. God's mercy endures forever. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, verses 19, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was also called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. 
although the doors were shut. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the Gospel of the Lord. I'd like to welcome my young friends forward, if they would like to come forward for a minute. I two things to do to, again today. You guys could all line up in front of the table here. That would be good. All right, so um, not sure we're going to do it every week, but we're going to certainly do it for the weeks of Easter. So um, we're going to... Uh, to do our call and response that we did last week. They did a pretty good job. I don't think they're going to do as good as that one little boy did. Did you all see him? (laughs) And he's back in in South Carolina with his mom. Um, A very interesting story about him, for those of you who are here. When I said, Christ is risen, he like screamed at the top of his lungs. (laughs) He'd never been in church before in his whole life. Ever. And what you all didn't see is he was sitting up here, and every time I talked about Jesus being present with us all the time and all the place, he would, he would go, really? Really? All the time? He, he, Jesus is up there, and then Jesus is over here, and he kept finding Jesus every place. And every time I would clarify for him, he would ask a more intelligent question about why Jesus is with us all the time. So you never know the impact you're going to have with simple phrases to get them interested, as simple as this. So we're going to try this again. You're going to say Christ is risen, and they're going to say they need the microphone because there's so few of them. (laughs) So you're going to say Christ is risen, and they're going to say he's risen indeed. Okay, here we go. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, everybody can do better than that. I've heard y'all louder than that. (laughs) Personal experience with louder than that. No, we're good. So if you guys want to sit down over here on this pew, I can just tell you the rest of the story. Gracie and Jackson, you want to sit down over there for a second? Okay, so Jackson doesn't. Jackson's going to help me. Right, Jackson? Yeah, okay. Um, So one of the things, uh, if we come up with a word, um, if you see something and somebody tells you to remember it and recall it, and tell it back to them. What are they asking you? you they're, they're, what, what are you called? It, it usually, the easiest way to, to talk about this is in, like, on a cop show, like a you know police drama. If there's someone and there's a trial and they're they're trying to convict someone, what who do they call on to testify? Witnesses, right? So that's what this this gospel story is about today. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus first appeared to the disciples, right? That's what the story says. And what didn't he do? When they said, we saw the Lord, he went, no, you didn't. 
they didn't believe, he didn't believe that they were, that, that Jesus had come to see them. So he didn't believe 11 witnesses. What? But you think about it. If I said to you that at choir rehearsal this morning, I was there. And so were all these other people in the choir. Jesus came and sang with us. You all would go, no way. We heard the choir rehearsal. If Jesus would hear, hear, was here, it would sound like the ultimate angel chorus. And we were pretty good, but mm, not quite the angel chorus. It was a little high. <laughs> so, they, but, but then I, I, if I said that you need to believe Carol and Cindy and Emma and all the people in the choir, and you guys went, no way, Jesus wasn't here this morning. We were up here before that, and if Jesus had been there, there like, would have been lights or something. What would, why, why not, Astrid? Jesus is always with us. See, there you go. She's paying attention. You're right. But, but there's some people that doubt that. And so that's what, but, but I would say that, that a lot of people would doubt that story. Would you agree with me? If their disciples were in this room all by themselves and, and they ran back and when they saw Thomas, they said, oh my goodness, you can't believe who we saw. Tom, and Thomas went, whoa, that would be most of us. Do, I, do you all agree? You go, yeah, really, you guys are crazy. So we call him Doubting Thomas, but he's really not that different than all the rest of us. That, that if we heard an incredible story like that, our first tendency would be, don't believe. But the most amazing thing that Thomas did, that's why I never call him Doubting Thomas, because what he did is when he finally realized that it really was Jesus, he, did he even have to touch like he said, doesn't even say that. But he's the first one in all of scripture to declare, to say to Jesus, my Lord and my God. First one that declared that. So for me, that's who Thomas is. The first one who declared that Jesus was both Lord, was both our Savior and God, all wrapped in one. And he announced it to the whole world. So maybe they didn't believe him, but he was a strong believer now in Jesus. And so it's not doubting Thomas for me. It's the Apostle Thomas who declared Jesus um, Savior and Lord. Okay? All right. Thank you. You can go back to your seat. So this very familiar story of Thomas, the Apostle Thomas, who because he didn't believe what his siblings in the faith, when, they, when he was not in the room with them, when Jesus appeared, we just talked about that. When Thomas heard the story, he did not believe the other disciples. He doubted his friends. That's what it says in the scripture. So that's how he became doubting Thomas. And of course, like I already said, the... the A much more accurate way of portraying Thomas was what he said. And most of us would have heard the same thing. What kind of thing would happen? Appeared that Jesus came back from the dead. He appeared in a locked room. They were hiding and he said, peace be with you. I know I would have been doubting Donald. Right right there alongside of Thomas saying, what are you all talking about? So for me, that I told you, Tom, doubting Tom, Thomas is not the one who doubted, but he, he, what his siblings in faith saw. Rather, he's the one who declared, "My Lord and my God." So this 
text comes up all the time in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is something that I follow and preach. And so writing different sermons on Thomas becomes a little difficult. And sort of, um, while I love the story, um, you try to think of different ways to do it. It's hard. I came across an amazing story written by the former president of the seminary that I went to, the Reverend Dr. Laura Mendenhall, who at heart is a Christian educator, a Sunday school teacher. That's who she started out to be, and it's who she still is. She's a master storyteller. So here's her spin, giving giving her full credit for this story, um, because um, I I couldn't come up with better myself. She imagined what would happen to Thomas years later. She says, Thomas knew the years had passed when his brittle bones led to a broken hip. While recovering, his grandson stayed with him, helping him through the adjustments, supporting him as he hobbled around. Thomas appreciated the assistance as well as the company. After all, this was his namesake, a dear boy, though not really a boy anymore, Thomas III. Trey, they call him, was a young adult, well on his way to becoming a businessman in his own right. Thomas relished the opportunity to have time with his grandson, even if the reason for their time together was the pain and aggravation of his broken hip. After helping his grandfather get ready for bed, Trey brought both of them a hot cup of tea and sat down next to his grandfather's bed. He had something on his mind. Fortunately, his grandfather seemed ready to listen. Tell me, Grandpa, about when you saw Jesus after he died. Tell me about how you put your hands into his wounds. Tell me about how you learned the truth. Tell me about how your life was changed that day. I feel so cheated. I was born too late to see and touch. But you were so lucky to have been with him and seen his resurrection. Thomas looked at his grandson, a bright young man, eager, open, vulnerable, questioning, doubting. Thomas saw himself in his grandson. He was tempted to tell his grandson how that moment with the resurrected Christ was the defining moment of his life. But he knew that this would not help Trey. The young man was too much like himself. Perhaps the best thing that he could do for his grandson was to help him deal with the mystery of an encounter with the risen Christ. Thomas found a comfortable place amongst the pillows and began, Son, I want to tell you about my encounter with the risen Christ. While it is true that my experience cannot be your experience, I do want to tell you what happened, for it was a life-changing moment though perhaps not in the way you are imagining. You remember, don't you, that Peter and John, the the other disciples, were the first to the cemetery, that they found Jesus' grave clothes folded and lying in the empty tomb, and so they believed. You remember that part, right? Trey nodded. You remember that Mary also went to the cemetery, Heard Jesus call her name and she recognized him. Trey nodded. Then later, when a group of the disciples were gathered together in the upper room, Jesus appeared to them and breathed the Holy Spirit upon them and commissioned them to go out and be the community whose membership is based upon forgiveness. Trey nodded again. 
Those who had followed Jesus all reported on their encounter with the risen Lord, with the result being that fear no longer possessed them. They believed Jesus was God's son. But I had not seen him. So I told them, unless I see the nail holes in his hands and put my fingers in his wounds and stick my hand in the stab in his side, I cannot believe. I was not asking for any more than anyone else had already received. They had seen for themselves. I simply wanted to see for myself. Isn't that what you want as well? Thomas asked his grandson. Yes, Trey nodded. That is all I want, to see and touch for myself so that I can know and understand. There's so many loose ends still dangling on this. I would simply like to tie it all up so I could, I, 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 I could know what to expect and what to tell other people. I don't think it's too much to ask. I don't blame you, Grandpa, for wanting to touch the wounds yourself, confessed Trey. Yes, well, that is exactly what I was thinking about at the time, Thomas acknowledged. But here's the rest of the story. As I told you, I did get to have an encounter with the risen Lord. I had expected that Jesus would appear to me somewhere along the road or at my home or something like that. I mean, the others had already seen him, so I figured that he would just appear to me in some private meeting. I was wrong. Jesus came to me when we were all together again. Jesus greeted all of us and then turned directly to me, offering me whatever I needed in order to experience for myself the power of the resurrection. But the truth is, I did not need to put my hands into his side. I did not need to touch the wounds in his hands. What I realized at that moment is that what is eternal is invisible what is eternal is invisible if I could touch it it was only temporal you know of this world anyway if I could understand it it may have been only human thought shaped by my own prior knowledge hemmed in by my own perspective my thoughts are not God's thoughts My mind is so limited in what I can comprehend. What I did understand was when I was in the presence of the risen Lord was God's omniscience. You know, all-knowing, all-wise, all-seeing, God's omniscience, God's omnipresence. God is everywhere. God is omnipotent. God's unlimited power and my limited nature. What I understood in the presence of the risen Lord is the mystery, the mystery of our faith. Some things cannot be explained or seen or touched, but simply must be accepted as mystery, truth that is beyond our understanding, something we must trust in God's mercy rather than in our ability to figure everything out. It was a big day for your grandpa, son, but you need to know I never actually touched him. I decided I did not need to do that after all. I believed, but it was not because of what I saw or what I touched with my own hands. I believed because I experienced the mercy of God. That is the mystery in which I live and will die. The mystery of God's mercy shown to me. That is what I wish for you, my son.
Do you mean from then on you have been able to trust the mystery of faith? You have never again questioned or doubted your faith in God's mercy? I just don't think I could ever be so strong in my faith. His grandson looked frustrated. Oh, of course, I have doubted both myself and God. I question my faith continually and need to renew my commitment to Jesus Christ on a daily basis. It is my nature, dear one, to doubt. Clearly, you have inherited this family trait, but do not be overly concerned. It was not my believing which brought Christ alive to me. And my doubting did nothing to cripple Christ's return. Jesus handed, handled my doubts with mercy. Jesus made a special effort to meet me where I was and to give me what I needed in order to believe. Jesus continues to meet me where I am and to show mercy to me. In this way, Jesus fulfills the baptismal promise to claim me as God's own. I do not fully understand the how or the why of it. But I did not need anything more than an experience of Christ's mercy in order to believe. Now I know that my telling you what I believe may have little impact on you. I am only telling you my story because there may be something in my story which will coincide with your story. The most important thing I can tell you is to stay with the church. Jesus came to me when the disciples were all together. He never came to me with such a power when I was alone. Moreover, you need to hear the stories of Christ's followers, and you need them to listen to your stories. Since we are dealing with the mystery of faith, with what can never be tied neatly in a package, we must be wary of the possibility for distortion. We need the biblical story and the stories of one another's experiences with the risen Lord in order to fully grasp our own experience. We need the experiences of the whole church. Of course, the church will never be able to give you all the answers, but church can help you to recognize Christ's presence in our midst. The church can help you to to live in Christ's mercy and help you to extend mercy to others. The church is the steward of the mysteries of God, it says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 giving a word of hope in the time of distress, offering forgiveness to those who hurt us, sharing our resources with those even when we are unsure we will have enough for ourselves, seeking unity with one another in spite of our differences, proclaiming the crucified Jesus as the living Lord and God. This is the mystery of our faith. Thus I tell you my story in order to nurture your faith that your joy might be full. Thomas looked at the confusion in the eyes of his bright grandson. He ached for him. What you need to know, son, is that I never touched him. I know I said that was the only way I would believe, but when I got right down to it, that was not what I needed at all. What I needed was simply to recognize that I was in the presence of my Lord and my God and the recipient of grace that I could not have earned. Trey sat down his cup of tea and reached out and took the hands of his grandfather. He guessed this might be as close as he was ever going to get to touching the mystery of his faith. Trey looked at that gnarled old hand and tried to imagine this hand touching Jesus' wounds, this hand not needing to touch Jesus. 
A small puddle of tears plopped into their hands. He heard his grandfather repeating Jesus' benediction. Blessed are you who believe without seeing. Blessed are you. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. My Lord and my God, thank you for being present with each one of us in whatever way each one needs in order to know you and our crucified and risen Lord. In you, we have life abundant and life eternal. In you, life. With you, life. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. Give us your peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our God. Amen. Please stand for your evil. Blessed are you, O Lord, ruler of heaven and earth. Day by day you shower us with blessings. And you have raised us to do life in Christ. Give us glad and generous hearts, ready to praise you and to respond to those in need. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Just prior to, to praying the Lord's Prayer, I just want to take a minute and say a prayer for our sisters and brothers in um, San Diego um, and the tragedy that again has happened on the anniversary of the six month anniversary of the tragedy in Pittsburgh when will it end oh Lord we need to stand in unity with these people here locally we are also praying for the Pentecostal church that was set on fire twice by someone who they believe that they've gotten I'm very pleased to tell you that the First Presbyterian Church of Bethlehem has taken that congregation in and given them worship space for as long as they need it until they restore their own worship space. So it's Christians working with Christians, but it's also Christians working with Jews and Muslims and people of faith in general to to speak out and to pray for those who are affected by this violence. So as a lead into the Lord's Prayer, let us pray for those, those uh, people who have had this tragedy in California. Gracious and loving God, we come to you as people with heavy hearts. We ask that you would be with all of those who were traumatized. We especially ask you to be with the dear woman who lost her life and those the, the rabbi and others who were wounded. We ask that you would be with them and strengthen them and support them in their time of need. Also be with the other churches that were right, that are right next door as they also live in fear and all of those congregations around the country who might fear something like that happening to them. We give thanks for the, for the sure promise that God will be with us in all kinds of ways and places. We also ask that you would be with the Pentecostal congregation in Bethlehem as they deal with the loss of their church through fire. And we ask that you would be with our brothers and sisters at First Presbyterian Church in Bethlehem as they extend a hand of hospitality to them and welcome them into their building so that they might worship God in the midst of their sadness and sorrow. We ask that you would be with us in our troubled world in all kinds of ways. And we ask that you would stay with us, be patient with us, and be patient with all of the imperfectness that we exhibit on a regular basis. 
And now let us pray together the prayer that our Lord himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And now hear these words of benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen. Oh.